Good evening. Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager coming to you from the studios here at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Hopefully the next half hour can be a calm half hour of just thinking. Thinking of God's goodness. Thinking of who God is and His love for you and His plan for you. All truth is God's truth. If there's something that's absolutely true, then it's important that we understand it. The truth comes from God. Satan is the opposite of that. He's a liar, and he's very good at lying. And we have to be very careful not to believe his lies, because he's that good. I don't know if you've ever been involved with a liar, but those that are really good at it sound like they're telling you the truth, even though they know they're not. They manipulate your mind. So I encourage you, no matter what is ever said on this program or church or any podcast you listen to, to make sure you're in the Bible and understanding what God says. And if anything I say or anything that somebody else says that goes against the Bible, then you shouldn't be listening to that, at least not as far as absolute truth goes. There are some other things that you can talk about that nobody knows whether they're true or not. We have a lot of things in life that we just have in life, like a favorite color. That's not a truth, that's just a color and you like it. And other things, a favorite food, a favorite hobby. Those are all things that are not necessarily good or bad, they're just different. We also have different educational ideas on how people learn and the best way to teach them. I'm not again sure there's an absolute truth there, but I am sure that the ultimate teacher is God and the Holy Spirit as he indwells in the believer. So that much I know, but I'm not sure always the methods. I'd like to read Psalm 1 to you, then talk a little bit about an article I read in the neuroscience section of Inc. magazine. So you can see maybe how these two are related, or maybe I'm going wacko here. Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. A couple of things in there that I just enjoy reading. I enjoy the fact that God delights when I think about things that I should be thinking about, when I meditate on what he says day and night. And hopefully our talks in the evenings will help you do that as you get into a different phase of your day. Those who actually meditate on his word day and night, they actually work at thinking about what God says and they, they think about what the, the scriptures say and how to apply it to their life. They're like trees that are planted by a stream of water. That yields fruit in its season, and its leaf, it doesn't wither. It doesn't really depend upon the season, it depends upon God. Then there's the wicked, and 
They're like chaff that the wind drives away. Now, it's interesting to me that the contrast between those he delights in and the wicked is the fact that there are some that take time to delight in the law and meditate on it day and night, the law of the Lord. Do you meditate on God's word? Do you ever just sit and think? One of the most important thought times that I have is when I have a fire going and I'm staring at a fire and I, of course, live in northern Wisconsin, so we have fireplaces and wood stoves and in the morning when I get up, I usually start a nice fire in the wood stove in my study room and I will sit there and I'll read and then I'll start thinking and I'll look at the fire. And I could get lost in thought and meditating on God's word day and night. Now, some of you, that may not work for, but for me, that's a very special time. I would encourage you to be somebody who works at making sure you remember the things that you should remember. Because Satan is really good at getting us to think about things that we don't need to think about, to meditate on things that are harmful, or you would consider that anxious thoughts or worrying or, or something else other than meditating on truth. I was reading an article on, in the Inc. magazine that was entitled, Neuroscience Says This Simple Five-Minute Routine Boosts Memory and Learning and Helps You Fall Asleep Faster. I thought, well, that title has got me. I want to be more effective at thinking about things that I should think about. Some type of routine that could boost my memory and help me learn better and help me rest better. It comes from their February 6, 2024 edition, and it is the author Jeff Hayden who is uh, writing this. Let me read it to you. Most of us can type faster than we can write. Over the years, I've gotten fast enough that I can type verbatim what people say when I interview them. Sometimes a half sentence behind, but I've learned to be able to talk while I finish typing what they just said. That's a handy skill that makes me a lot more productive. But here's the thing. I don't remember much of what I typed. Sure, I can remember certain phrases or cool points the other person made, but generally speaking, it's a mechanical, relatively thoughtless skill. I had to stop there because I keep wondering what other relatively thoughtless skills are pervading our society. Are we being robbed of being able to think? Are we being robbed of being able to sit in a quiet place and stare at a fire and think about what we're reading and think about God's grace and his mercy and his plans for the day? Did Satan know that we would never overtly do that so he had to get us busy doing something else? Could we just be busy doing stuff that keeps us from thinking? Anyway, that's not the writing. Those are my thoughts. Science says I'm not alone. Back to the article. A 2014 study found that handwriting notes leads to better retention and understanding. I want to read that again. A 2014 study found that handwriting notes leads to better retention and understanding. In fact, transcribing verbatim rather than processing information and reframing it in your own words is detrimental to learning. Why? Instead of serving as a quasi-stenographer, 
you're forced to put things in your own words in order to keep up, which means you'll remember what you heard a lot longer. A recently published study also found that writing things down by hand helps improve memory and retention. When you type, areas of your brain that support memory building don't appear to light up. Since writing is sensory heavy, movement, feel, etc., your brain better encodes information. Bottom line, the more your senses are engaged, the more your brain activates and engages and they don't appear to be as engaged when you type. All of this leads to a better retention and recalling. As the research is right, long-hand note-takers' mind wandered less and in turn demonstrated superior retention of content. Let me give you their conclusion again. Long-hand note-takers' mind wandered less in turn demonstrated superior retention of content. The article goes on to say, maybe that's why Richard Branson has maintained a lifelong habit of keeping a handwritten journal. Maybe that's why Warren Buffett has kept a journal for over 50 years. Maybe that's why Elon Musk has journaled since he was a teenager in order to record his thoughts and ideas and stay focused on his goals. It works for them. And then there's this. A study published in the Journal of Experimental Psychology found spending five minutes before bedtime handwriting to-do lists, things you don't want to forget, ideas you might want to pursue in short things that you want to remember for the next day will help you fall asleep faster. You'll also fall asleep much faster than if you write down things you completed. Getting things you want to remember out of your head and on the paper means you won't have to worry or stress about whether you'll remember them tomorrow, which will make falling asleep tonight a lot easier. As getting things done, author David Allen once told me, your head is for having ideas, not holding ideas, and it's certainly not for filing things away. Without exception, you will feel better if you get stuff out of your head, which means there also is this. A good way to improve your memory is to get a good night's sleep, which starts with falling asleep relatively quickly. A 2016 study published in Psychological Science found that people who studied before bed then slept, then did a quick review the next morning, not only spent less total time studying, they also increased their long-term retention by 50%. As those researchers write, converging evidence from the molecular to the Phenomenological leaves little doubt that offline memory reprocessing during sleep is an important component of how our memories are formed and ultimately shaped. Want to remember things? Write them down by hand. Want to remember tasks? Spend five minutes before you go to bed handwriting tomorrow's to-do list. Not only will you remember more, you'll also fall asleep a little faster. It's a win-win. That's the article that I was going to share with you, and I I did. However, I can't verify all the studies or everything that went on there, but I can tell you that it makes sense that when you go to sleep, you should write things down, perhaps your prayers, talk to God. Maybe it's not just writing them down. Maybe a time where you just unload to God. 
Get it off your mind. Talk to them about what you're going to do tomorrow. Talk to them about what you're thankful for today. That'll help you sleep better too, I'm sure. Because if you know God, you know you just talk to the one who can make the difference, the one who can change anything in history, the one who can do miracles. And as you unload, if you want to call it, to God, you can be one who can rest assured that he cares and that he'll be active tomorrow and throughout the night on your behalf because you're a loved child of his. See, I think there's a lot of principles in what's been said in that article. Certainly, writing to-do lists is something that is beneficial for everybody. I've taught that to the young people that I mentor often, that before they go to sleep, they should write down what they want to do tomorrow, and they'll be far more productive tomorrow. I never realized it could actually affect your sleep, however. But these studies make me think that perhaps it can. Even more important, Getting stuff off your mind before you go to sleep so that you can sleep. That's where prayer comes in. We can talk to God about anything for as long as we want. You can talk to God as you go to sleep silently or aloud or write it down in a journal. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. We can be people who spend time thinking about God, thinking about what is going on in life and putting it in perspective and laying it at the feet of one who can actually do something about it. Once again, I think the principle is to be able to review it in your mind as you go to sleep in a way that's meaningful. Those who don't will just wonder and toss and turn all night wondering what to do with themselves and what to do with their thoughts. You could write them down and then read them to God. You could just talk to them. You could think it through. Any way, shape, or form, you can end up making sure that God is the one who takes the burden as you go to sleep and not you carrying it throughout the night. I think it's obvious that before you go to sleep at night, your conflicts should be over. You shouldn't go to sleep while you're upset with somebody, you have unresolved conflict in your life. You need to take that to the Lord, perhaps take it to the other person and make sure that's resolved. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. What does it mean to delight yourself in the Lord? How do you delight yourself in somebody? You know, I could delight in the Lord because I know that he made me and that he loves me. That he's the one that's going before me today to set up tomorrow. He's the one who has plans that cannot be foiled. He made life simple for me. All I have to do is really listen to him. I don't need to create success. I don't need to create what's right or wrong. I just need to listen. I can listen. I can talk to God before I go to sleep about anything that's on my mind. And I'm not surprising him. I can confess my sins, and I'm not surprising him there. He still loves me. And as I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Psalm 103 tells me that he'll separate my sins as far as the east is from the west. So as I confess my sins, as I go to sleep, I'm able to sleep with a clear conscience, knowing that my Heavenly Father is there with me 
and that I have admitted and talked to him about the things that I have done wrong that day. Now, the interesting thing is, is that that didn't surprise him. If I tell him I had an evil thought that day, it's not like God is shocked at that and that he's wondering how in the world I could live that way. He knew I had the evil thought. He was with me when I had the evil thought. He just wants me to understand the things that are keeping me from being all that I could be. And that evil thought is part of it. So as I confess that before I go to sleep, that's now the past. I get to focus on what he's got for me tomorrow instead of worrying and wondering the punishment that's coming for the past. Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. It's a good verse to think about before you go to sleep is Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. It says here that we should be anxious about nothing. Don't be anxious about anything. But in every situation, what situation are you in tonight that you're anxious about? What is it that is on your mind that you can't get off your mind that is making you anxious tonight? Whatever it is, you can talk to God about it. And you should before you go to sleep. You can talk to God about it and you can petition him. You can talk to him about what you're thinking. But as you do that, do it with thanksgiving. You're thankful that you can talk to God, the creator and sustainer of all life, the one that can do anything, the one that can position you to get victory out of this. Not bitterness, not anger, but thankfulness. You're coming to the King of Kings. You're thankful that he can do something, and you're thankful that he cares. By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, talk to God. As you do that, the anxiousness melts away because you're actually talking to one who you know loves you and can do something about the situation. And if the situation is not solved the way you want it to, then you can be convinced that whatever the situation is, it's right for you and good for you to go through it, and it's best for you to go through it with God. Now, that's assuming you're doing the things you should do. Once again, the old illustration of beating your head on a rock, if that's what you're doing and you're asking God to make the rock softer or your head stop hurting, that situation has a different remedy. You've got to stop beating your head on a rock. But if it has to do with the normal instances of life, then you realize that those situations are things that God is totally aware of. He can help you through, and you can be victorious on the other end of it. Colossians 3.15 tells us, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body you are called to peace. And be thankful. Why, in Philippians 4, 6, we're told to be thankful. In Colossians 3, 5, it's talking about peace that rules your heart. Not peace that rules the world, not peace that rules the circumstances, but let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. For as members of one body, 
you are called to a peace. Be thankful. You know, I think of the body illustration quite a bit because it's so perfect as you think about how different body parts need to respond. Body parts need to work together. My elbow, my fingers, my knees, my toes, when I'm walking, they all work together. It's not, not like I consciously tell them to work together. They just work together because they're responding to signals from the brain. Every single body part is at peace with the other body part because they're all listening to the brain. There's not one body part that's wrestling against the others. Then you would see that there would be some kind of nerve damage there. But in a healthy body, every body part is going with those brain waves. I often use that example with young people when I'm talking to them because my, my hands are going with my words, my eyebrows are going with my words, my facial expression are going with my words. But I don't really plan it that way. They just respond to the brain. In other words, there's not one body part that's not at peace with the others. It's all going in the same direction, all trying to communicate the same message. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. If God is ruling in your heart, then you're going in the same direction as all the other believers around you. You're going in the same direction as those who love God. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, for as members of one body, you are called to peace. Oh, and be thankful. Aren't you thankful that you can be a body part, that you can listen to God, that if you just listen to God, you work at peace with the others around you that love God? You might be questioning that, saying, well, I'm not at peace with those around me. Well, if you're trying to be at peace with those who aren't listening to the brain, that's not going to work. If you're trying to be at peace with those who are listening to the brain and you're not listening to the brain, that won't work either. You have the peace of Christ when you obey God and every other part is obeying around you as well. But if you're not, then the peace of Christ can't dwell in you. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Another way of saying, you be obedient to God and you'll see the peace is a byproduct of that. Psalm 23, 1-3, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. Psalm 23 is always a great psalm to turn to, understanding the tremendous love of God for his sheep. And we're his sheep. I am safe whenever I just stay in his shadow. So if I'm concerned about anything as a sheep, as a lamb, I can come to my shepherd and just stand by him. When I stand by my shepherd, he knows. I'm there to be protected. I'm there to be guided. I could be there to be checked for fleas, who knows what. I, but I'm there because he's the one that can solve my problems. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Perhaps sometimes at night when you're anxious, you should just take out a pen and paper and write these verses and think about them, and then write your thoughts that go along with them. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul.
Psalm 119.15 I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will meditate on your precepts. How do you meditate again? Well, if you have trouble just sitting in the quiet and staring and thinking, you can take a piece of paper out and write your thoughts. You can meditate on God's precepts by just writing them down longhand. I know, you say, well, that's a lot of paper I'd use. Well, perhaps. But in the whole process, you'll be fixing his thoughts into your mind. You can write down verses of Scripture longhand. Just write them down. And then right below that, write down what that Scripture is saying. So you can put it in your mind better. You know, Satan has a great way of trying to get into our minds with all the various modes of television and social media or whatever else it might be. When you put all that stuff on the side and you just start meditating and thinking and perhaps even writing things down, that could be a good thing. Psalm 5.3, In the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning I lay my request before you. And wait expectantly. Expectant waiting upon God is a good thing. We get to be people who make plans and we give them to God knowing that we can't make those plans happen without God's intervention. We slept. We gave the issue to God before we went to sleep, no matter what the issue was. And in the morning, we again lay the request before him. And now we live expectantly waiting for God to act on our behalf. What a wonderful place to be in life. Not anxious, but expectant. Psalm 62, 5, My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. My soul wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from Him. I hope you do have time during the day where you're just quiet where perhaps you sit and think, or now maybe sit and journal. You could say that these journals are so private, I don't want anyone to read it. Well, if you've got a fireplace like mine, that certainly isn't a problem. I'm not saying you need to file all the things you write, but writing them down will have benefit. In my class at the Nicolay Bible Institute in this year, understanding the importance of writing things down and really paying attention to a teacher, I've asked my students not to have any computer open, any phone on, even their watches, I don't want them checking. I want them to be able to listen and interact with what's being said. And I think the results have been phenomenal. Psalm 119.15 says, I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. Psalm 119.15. I guess that's my encouragement. All of this program has been about how can we think about what God says? Get it into our minds where that is the preeminent thought as we go to sleep. Where God is the one we hand things to while we sleep. So that in the morning we can expectantly live our day knowing that he cares and that he's already set it up for victory. I'm not sure how you meditate. 
It could be that you meditate just fine by looking out a window, staring at a fire, going for a walk in the woods. But I do encourage you to take time every day to be quiet, to think. Not to be quiet and think about nothing. That's modern meditation mumbo-jumbo. We don't want to clear our minds of everything. We want to have our minds thinking about the things that are right and good and honorable. When you do that, you're not anxious about anything. Because what's right and good and honorable is trusting God with all of your concerns. Well, there's our music indicating that our time has come to an end for tonight. Once again, I thank you for sharing some time with me. I pray this time will drive you to the point where you just enjoy spending time with God. And should you have any worries or concerns or anxieties, that you'll cast them upon Him and that you'll sleep well tonight. Once again, I'm Dave Wager here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Good night for now.